So you have a tendency and your love overlanding. You had plans to do it big on the trace and some super glamping. One idea, deep news and reviews, a podcast the first rate and here just for you. You don't have to think about it. Join us and be about it. Something interesting we want to hear about it. Come on, let's talk about it. Welcome to Waypoint Overlands Random Waypoints Podcast. Sponsored by Midland. Communication for every adventure. The industry leader in radio communication technology and innovation for over 50 years. Sponsored by MyMedic. Sponsored by Tembo Tusk. Sponsored by Shower Pouch. Sponsored by DeMoss Collective. Mission built and made for mobility. Sponsored by BrewTrack. Sponsored by Hard Impact Designs. Always remember, the opinion you follow should be your own. Just consider the things stated here to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. You know what I wanted to talk about? We talk, we've, we've talked about communications, but it's basically been about in-reach. It's been about um, Midlands GMRS. It's been about CB. Yep. But I want to talk to one that you can give a very unique uh, take on. You, you did a video about how to uh, power up your Starlink which I thought was excellent. Anybody who's interested in Starlink, I recommend them to go over to Drive the Globe's YouTube channel and to see that. Hopefully, um, there'll be a link for somebody to click on when they see this. But um, I think that's an excellent video. But I wanted to go into everything about Starlink. And I think you're the perfect person to talk to. You're down in Baja. And you're basically dependent on the Starlink. So, and you've had a, a decent amount enough time where uh, I respect your review. It's not like you just opened the box, turned it on. Oh, it works. You should buy it. You know, um, so I'm, I'm looking to hear kind of like your, how long have you had it now? Approximately. Well, Phil, I've, I've actually had the uh, Starlink now for uh, just about a year, actually. I got it last spring, and um, it's been on board my truck ever since. And I got to tell you, um, I've done two videos, actually. One, I did the unboxing of it and the installation of Starlink uh, in the truck. And then I did a second video recently about converting uh, the Starlink to 12 volts DC power. So... To go back and circle around from the beginning, I got to tell you, if you are nomadic, uh, certainly if you're full-time nomadic, you uh, live on the road, you work on the road, you want to stay in communication with people back at home or wherever, uh, it's a game changer. The bottom line is Starlink is a game changer. I, I, I don't um, I don't have any regrets about getting it. It is basically is filling a gap that was in the market that did not exist prior, meaning that 
prior to Starlink, really in the world of, let's call it communication, because what we're talking about is communication, right? Whether that's right now, you guys are watching us on this podcast or, or, or listening to us in the car. Um, this is all being done by Starlink, because here I am sitting in Baja. There is no cell coverage anywhere near where I am. And, uh, you know, at nighttime, I can sit here and watch HBO videos, uh, movies. Uh, I do Zoom calls like we're doing right now. And uh, it's it's just a game changer because because it, it's not only when you think about it, it's it's TV, it's cell phone, it's text messaging, it's emergency communication. It's it, you know, it's all of the above. It's email. It's it's everything. Right. So before this, I mean, on the road, you had cell coverage. You have uh, you could get a cell booster like we boost or something like that, which I do have on board my truck. But I got to tell you, uh, oftentimes and I, and for those of you out there that travel, you know, I, I mean, I don't care what state you're in or what country you're in. Cell coverage can be sketchy at best. Right. Uh, so that was the problem. And, and and I always just tell people, you know, yeah, the WeBoost is great. But the problem is, is like if you if you got no coverage, it's not going to boost to zero to something. <laughs> right. And the Starlink, you know, outside of. Having tree cover or something that's blocking it. It works amazingly. Now, here I'm sitting in Baja, I'm getting upload. Uh, or download speeds of about two, between 200 and 200 megabits a second. It's 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 screaming fast. Um, you know, I'm not getting any breakup on our on our screen right now or anything. There's no lag. There's nothing. I mean, what's amazing about and what's different, what sets Starlink apart from everybody else, is that in the past there were other satellite, what I would call satellite internet providers, HughesNet and various different things, Directv. Uh, had one. The problem is, is that their satellites are, there's not many of them and they are high up in orbit. So you can use less satellites, but the latency is much greater, right? So if your satellite is way up in the, in the air, it takes longer for the communication to go back and forth. Thus you get latency, you get lag. Well, Starlink uh, is different than that. There's there's many, many satellites. In fact, I think they said recently, I said that they want to put up to cover the world about 40,000 satellites. So they're, they're, they're in a much lower, here and things outside, they're in a much lower orbit. And thus the communication, the lag time is very quick. There is much, not you can't see any lag here at all. Uh, and that is what makes it different. And because of that, it's much faster with no lag. So uh, for people that are in the overland world, I got to tell you, like, you know, being down here in Baja is interesting because, you know, the overlanders come down here for the winter time. I would say just in one year, because I was one of the first ones to get it when it came out uh, for RV. I would say it's probably, I would have told you something different when I got down here in, in November. I would have, I told you it was 50% of the trucks. I would say it's about 70% of the vehicles now that are overlanding at wow. Starlink on board. If I look out my window right now, I probably got a dozen uh, vehicles parked here on the beach. And one, two, three, four, five, six, 
nine of the 12 have Starlink. Well, I know all summer last year, that was the talk of overlanding. Everybody I talked to who's uh, some sort of a nomad that travels in their vehicle, that was the conversation. They have it, they love it, or that they want it, or they want to know about it. So that's why I thought it was a good topic to talk about. Absolutely. The thing that makes it different, too, is that, as you guys know, oftentimes a piece of equipment hits the market, whether it's an inverter or, you know, solar panels or, you know, whatever it is, that's something to do with your rig. There's complication to it, right? It's not, it seems like nothing is ever turnkey. You know, you get your piece of, of equipment and then you're like, huh. You know, how do I how do I put it together and how do I hook it up? And and then, oh, you know, it would be better if I had this. So I needed this attachment, blah, blah, blah. What's nice about Starlink is it comes out of the box. You plug it in. You put the dish outside. It goes, looks around. There's a satellite done. You got Internet. That's it. I mean, the first time I did it, it took 45 seconds. So I, I know one question that a person will probably have after hearing that is because uh, they don't know about it because they don't actually have it is I thought there was an app. What about the app? What do you mean you just plug it in and use it? Don't you have to have an app or something? Yeah. So there is an app and you download the app from the uh, Google play store or from Apple and it, uh, it controls um, your connection basically. So it's on your phone and you can look at it. You can run speed tests. Uh, you can rename your, uh, router. So mine is like drive the globe Starlink and you can password protect it and everything else. You can even set it to go uh, turn on and off overnight if you don't want it to be on. Uh, it has a heating element in the dish. Interesting. If you watch my last video and it's something I did not know from the beginning, all of the electronics, the brain is in the dish. I always assumed it was in the router here that's sitting on my counter. It is Me not. Too. You can actually use any router. Um, and my video, uh, converting to 12 volt basically talks about that. And, and as long as you can get the power to the dish, uh, and that's what the video shows how to do that. Um, it, the brain is in the dish. So it's kind of interesting. And the other thing that has come out recently is that, uh, for those of you that don't necessarily, you know, like myself, that don't like to set things up, uh, you can flatten out the dish. The, the very dish that you buy from Starlink right now, not a special one. You can flat mount this dish on the on your roof. Contrary to popular uh, belief and opinion, it does not need to be facing a certain direction. So people were always like, well, you know, it moves around and it centers itself. Yes, that's ideal. But we've tested it a bunch of times, flat mounting it up there, just sticking straight up. And uh, it does not degrade the speed whatsoever. So you know, for those of you that don't want to have to set anything up, you could flat mount it to the roof of your Jeep as an example, and you're good to go. You don't ever have to do anything. So there's a lot of advantages to this. So this isn't the case for you, but I'm sure that you see a lot of other people. I think that um, Starlink would allow a lot more people to become nomadic. Yeah. Uh, since COVID, there are so many people who are working from home and I talk to these people and the only reason that they are hesitant about going on the road is, is because there's no, no formal agreement with their company about them being on the road. So 
they're expected to have service every day and be able to be in contact with their company at a whim on, you know, at last notice. So there are some people who have the freedom, but they were hesitant because their job depended on 100% being able to get online. And Starlink seems like that has just opened the door because this year, a lot of people bought Starlink and a lot of people hit the road. So this was like a, I'll, I'll years from now, remember last year as a, as a major point uh, in, in, in nomadic life and, and, and it being a change because of Starlink. It's like, I think a major change was Google when uh, Google maps came. uh, Yep. <laughs> we don't have to use you know, paper maps anymore. And I'm putting Starlink on that level of a yeah. of a big historical thing. Yeah, and and in addition to what you're saying is that they were able to feel secure that they could connect it and in anywhere uh, while being on the road. I'll give you another example. My buddy Kevin uh, still uh, works from his van uh, as a consultant. He's been parked down here uh, all winter long, and I will tell you that. He's been on the road now for the better part of five years. But what's changed since Starlink, and he got Starlink about the same time that I did, is, and he said this to me, he goes, if there was 30% of the pie that I could park at before and live my life for the last five years, I now have 100% of the pie because he used to have to camp in locations that had cell coverage mm-hmm. and where he could get on a Zoom call and do whatever with cell coverage. Now, he would not have been able to stay, as an example, next to my truck here this winter. Last year, he would not have been able to come here because he did not have Starlink and there is not cell coverage here. So it's opened up a bigger pie. And again, I'm trying to talk to people who don't know much about Starlink. Um Originally, Starlink uh, was for remote living in how in a home. Uh, so this isn't just some flimsy service or whatever. This was supposed to subplant wires to homes, and people um, were satisfied with it. Another thing I'd like to you know I know people are thinking, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Give me give me something. Uh, concrete as to how good this is. And so I'll do that. If you remember last year when we were coming into um, Overland Expo West, I had a video that we made. Uh, you remember we did the podcast on the cliff. Uh, on the mountain in um, uh, Indian Hat. Yeah, in Utah. And remember, we were anxious to get that out, but Mexican. everywhere. Sorry. Every, yeah. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, it's Mexican hat. We both. <laughs> Losing my mind here. But we couldn't remember we couldn't find anywhere good and decent to uh and i had almost given up on it mm-hmm. um i was going to wait to go to the media room to try it when, when we, once we got to expo and hopefully that service was good enough but if you remember we all camped out in the forest together the night before and i think it was uncharted that had uh, overland uncharted yeah that's that's actually where i got Uh, That was the day that I bought my Starlink was because of them. Yeah. And I was sold on it because they were like, you can use my, um, my Starlink. And I was, 
I was trying to be nice, but in my mind, I was like, this is going to be a waste of time. I have an hour-long video that I'm trying to download to YouTube. And it's you bad know. enough. For those of you out there that don't know, we have gone through some, some hoops and barrels to get things up to YouTube. Yes. I mean, I can't tell you how long stuff takes. I have waited overnight. I'll put videos up at nighttime and wait and, and sit. And I'll wake up in the morning and it'll be like 71%. And you go, oh, no, still? <laughs> well, I had got in my tent and I was like, well, let me let me, uh, you know, start downloading it. And hopefully in the morning it'll be downloaded. Well, I started to download and then I started taking care of everything and handling other business. And I was on my phone and everything. It was downloaded in about two hours. Now, that may not sound very fast, but that's fast for an hour long video. On, on YouTube in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And since then, I've experienced it on other people's Starlink, and that was actually slow uh, because I have gotten better download speeds than some people have at home. I was about to say, if you recall, Phil, we were camped in um, uh, Flagstaff there, and it was quite a bit of tree cover. So that, that was an obstructed Starlink at the time, remember? That's a good we point. Were, and yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't at th full throttle because I will tell you uh, when it is, I, I put up my my YouTube videos are usually between eight and 15 minutes long, typically. And from, quote, home base on a uh, cable uh, modem, it would take me usually between 20 minutes and 45 minutes to upload on Starlink. They're going up between five and 10 minutes. Well. I know at East, I met more than one couple who have it for, they bought it for mobile life, but it was so good that they've gotten rid of their service at home. And now it's just their service, whether they're at home or they're traveling. Which, uh, by the way, is what a lot of uh, people that I've met down here is, do as well that are not full-timers on the road. So they purchase Starlink, they have it on their van or truck. And then when they go home, they just take it off the van, they put it on the house. So and, they got rid of their own cable bill. And I have like very good service. Very, 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 very. I live in, in an area where uh, it's probably some of the best in the, in the United States. Yeah, yeah. Um, but most people, I think Starlink is faster than the service that they're getting at home. It is. Yeah, it's faster than what I used to have in my house on the East Coast. Definitely. Mm hmm. So I even see people who aren't traveling, who aren't remote at maybe some point moving over to Starlink. It's it, it's also a good deal when you think about the price, too. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you how much I pay for my um, Internet service, but I'm going to do it. It is packaged with some other things. So I'll yeah. say that. So I, I, I pay the cable company about 300 bucks a month. Wow. And about 200 of that is for my internet service. Yeah. And it used to be more than that, but I've, I've trimmed down the actual cable services. So it used to be more than that. Right. So let, let me talk about it that. It would be cheaper for me to get Starlink. Yeah. Let me talk about that for a second. Uh, Starlink is interesting because, uh, it, it uh, they just raised the uh, the price uh, recently. It was in the news, and 
it, really it's a factor of the, their success because uh, for the RV pack, so Starlink base price for your house is $110 a month. And then the mobile was $25 extra for the RV package. It was 135 bucks a month, which by the way, I paid double that. Uh, they just raised the price to $150 a month now uh, for the package, primarily because I think they're really trying to slow down the purchasing of it. Um, it's in, in major metropolitan areas, it's overtaxed. The, uh, uh, can you, hold on a second. I'm just being, oh, no, it's okay. It's people going by on a side-by-side. They're just taking video of my truck. And I wasn't sure if they were going to stop and make a lot of noise. But um, so as I was saying, the, um, the uh, 150 bucks a month uh, is really, I think, trying to get a few people to maybe think about not getting it. Uh, because so if you understand how this works, each satellite can handle so much traffic. So here I am sitting in the southern tip of Baja. There's not a lot of traffic on it, which is one of the reasons why it's super fast and it's not being taxed. But now if I was in New York City, as an example, in a metropolitan area, um, there are more people on the satellite. So what Starlink has had to do is add satellites, uh, more satellites in that sky in order to uh, be able to handle the traffic. Mm-hmm. So uh, the problem is, is that they it just been inundated with new customers and new people trying to get onto the Starlink. And their goal, uh, for those of you that aren't aware, they're, they're really trying to cover the world. So rather than having to add extra satellites, let's say over New York City right now, they're really focused on expanding the latitude. So they've been adding uh, even from the last six months, it's gone way down into now Central America's covered. Last year, uh, it wasn't. So it, 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 uh, you can cover all the way up to Alaska now. Uh, as of uh, this fall, you still, if you traveled up to Alaska past a certain latitude, you didn't have Starlink. Well, now there is. It's all the way up to the top. So they've been adding satellites. Uh, every launch that they they send up of the rocket, it's kind of interesting when you think about it you, you know you own a rocket company and you own starlink so and the, and the and the u.s government pays you to send the rocket up to do transport and stuff to the uh you know international space station and you piggyback your satellites on it so i don't know if you guys realize this that they're launching like each rocket that goes up they can put like 50 starlinks on 50 satellites it's crazy they go out in a pod so they, they put you know they send them up multiple times a month so they're putting a lot of satellites up but uh so in any case, it's 150 bucks a month, but $150 a month uh, is 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 obviously well worth it. I mean, it's 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 a non-replaceable. There are no other options. Um, interestingly enough, that price is dependent upon country. So for those of you that are listening to us out there that might be international or international travelers, I can get the same exact service, which by the way I have. Uh, in Mexico here for $55 a month. It's exact same. So depending on what country you're in, and I've heard, I do not quote me on this, and I can't confirm this, but I heard Guatemala is $11 a month. So um, uh, if you got an address to ship it in Guatemala, you might be able to get Starlink even cheaper. But um, they, they, they work, they're continent-based. So right now, Starlink, if you get a unit in this continent of which Central America is in, uh, it will work in North America. 
So it's good information. Very good information. Kind of accordingly, I guess, to what they feel like you can afford. Also in the news, you probably heard that they had sent, uh, you know, I don't know how many Starlinks. The war in Iraq is essentially being run on Starlink. Um, they, they put the satellites up over Ukraine when the war started, uh, and the government is using Starlink to do use their communications. So all of the, the, the data that's being transferred around that country is on Starlink. And, uh, they, they did that for free actually. So depending on where you are, so people in Ukraine can get Starlink for free. Uh, uh they didn't do it for free. <laughs> well, <laughs> they, 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 you they, and I paid for it. They they get to uh, fly rockets in the air, like you were okay. saying. Uh, they're getting something for it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so I just wanted to talk about Starlink with you. You mentioned you had WeBoost too. Yep. So if you had Starlink first, yeah, would you get WeBoost? Um. You know, that's a good question. I haven't really thought about that. Uh, me, uh, being a techie kind of guy, I probably would because um, in the cab of my truck when I'm driving, Starlink is not on, right? So, um, yeah, the boost. And I will tell you, uh, WeBoost works. Uh, it will definitely increase my cell covered signal bars probably by one or if not two bars. And that's can be significant. It's the difference between, you know, being able to make a call and maybe not being able to make a call. So uh, I would probably have the WeBoost, particularly if you were a traveler in, let's say, in, in the United States. Here in Mexico, I would tell you that, no, I probably wouldn't get it. Um, it's, the coverage here is is pretty poor. Um, even when the when your phone, and if you're on a GSM network uh, like um, T-Mobile or AT&T, your phone just, you know, works like anything, you know, normal down here. Verizon customers, not the case, there's zero coverage down here if you got Verizon. But um, on a GSM phone, you could just basically cross the border, just keeps working the same way it was working north of the border. Um, But I will tell you, even when it says on the top of your screen, you know, 3G or LTE, yeah, you know, you try to post an Instagram picture or something and it's not nearly, it's not the same. It might say it is. So, uh, you know, the, the, the cell coverage is not certainly not the same as what we've experienced in, in America and probably what you guys out there, if you're in Europe would experience. All right. We're going to shift to something that I, a trend that another trend that I'm seeing, uh, you want to hear your opinion on this too. I'm noticing as I scroll through my social media and I watch on YouTube, there are a lot of people going to forties on their rigs um, for, you know, 40 inch tires on, on their rigs. And I'm, t- I'm not talking about like a vehicle, your size. Mm. I'm, I'm talking about a Jeep. Um, that's good, Phil. I was thinking 40s. Wow, that's a small tire, but a <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Toyota 4Runner, you know, regular SUVs. They're putting the 40s on them, and I just want to know what your opinion is. Um, I'm going to give you my standard canned answer opinion here on vehicle modification. You know, having been through this uh, with multiple vehicles, particularly. Jeeps, 
and Land Rovers. For those of you that don't know, I, I own three Jeeps. Um, I've had, I don't know how many Land Rovers over the years, probably 15 or 20. And I've done everything from modifications, from lift kits to big tires to, you know, changing the the yokes on the drive shafts because of the angle and the you name it, I've done it. Um, nothing is ever as good as it is what that that how it was engineered from the factory. I'm going to tell you that the second that you modify something. It has what I would call unintended consequences. That's the word I like to use. Things that you didn't think about. So on on the surface, I, I add forty inch tires to the thing. I, let's let's assume for a second that it fits. And I would imagine that you're probably having to do some wheel well modifications and some other stuff. But let's let's assume it fits. Uh, what you're not factoring in probably is the weight. Mm-hmm. And as you know, moving weight is mm-hmm. infinitely more weight than non-moving weight, mm-hmm. um, which is wear and tear on brakes. It's wear and tear on the drivetrain. It's fuel economy. It you know it goes on and on and on. Uh, changes your gear ratio. So there's a lot of stuff that it affects. Um, you know, I mean, the advantage of bigger tires, obviously, is it's going to give you ground clearance right so you know how much is ground clearance worth to you and i and that's you know that's a loaded question because it, it depends on what kind of vehicle you're driving and how what the ground clearance departure and approach angles look like in the first place right so um yeah i yeah the other thing is is accessibility we could talk about that for a second too you know so you go to 40 inch tires i, I don't know how accessible they are meaning like there's certain tire sizes out there that are more common than other sizes. So I, I don't know what the commonality of that is, which, which comes into play when you, I don't know, you're in Moab, Utah, and you rip two tires to shreds on some trail, and then you need you need a tire to get the heck out of there. Can you get that tire locally? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So all stuff to think about. Well, most of the people that I see getting these 40s are people who have overland in their name uh they claim to be overlanders and i can't see you going on any significant trip with 40s i couldn't imagine you doing the pan american highway with 40s you'll never get i could tell you Dan. you'll never get the tire <laughs> that's what i'm saying you'll never find that tire no and the other thing, I, I'll use myself as an example. I've, I've told you this before. People are so underwhelmed when they see my Jeep in person because they see it go to all these different places. And it, it looks like it's really raised up high. And when they see it, it's not really raised up that much. I got a two and a half inch lift. I got 33 inch tires. And they're like really underwhelmed, but it goes everywhere yours goes. Yeah, And I haven't had any significant breakdowns on the trail. And when I go places like Moab and Southern Utah, and when I do see people having uh, major breakdowns, it is usually the highly modified vehicles. Mm-hmm. I'd say like 90% of the time when it's uh, something to do with the suspension or, or something major, it's a heavily modified vehicle. It sure. may not even be the suspension. It may be something wrong with the engine, but 
if you know what's going on, the reason why the engine is having a problem is because it's been overtaxed by something you did to the suspension. So when it was engineered, the half shafts, the axles, um, you know, all of these things were designed for certain tolerances, right? So if my half Jeeps, well, I, I could talk about that Land Rovers. I've broken probably 20 half shafts in my life in a Land Rover. You know, they're this big, about that big. And they're made out of what I would call crappy metal. And, you know, but it's a design that the engineers thought about. It's it's strong enough to do and carry the weight of the stock wheel and tire and to take the torque that the engine and transmission can put out. And if it's taxed past that, that's what snaps. And it's kind of a fail safe, right? Because it's a lot easier to replace a half shaft than your engine or your transmission or something else worse that's bigger that breaks, right? But I can tell you, and I don't. When you've lifted, when I lifted the Land Rover and I put bigger tires on it, and at the time those were like 37s, not 40s. Um, oh yeah, you'd be like, you know, you give it enough enough welly there and a little bit of oomph, and you know, you go ding, and then it go, oh, you know what that sound was? There it goes, broke it again. And it just it's not made for that kind of torque. The the reason I wanted to discuss this is because I see people. They just watch a couple of YouTube videos and then they go make major moves on their vehicles, you know, spending a lot of money, putting in a lot of effort and time and labor just off of a couple of videos of somebody they admire off of YouTube. And well, Phil, it looks cool. I mean, let's not, let's not discount this, right? I mean, it looks cool, right? Because it's bigger. Right. And and I don't have all I mean, this American attitude, right? But, right. But, but what I'm getting to is... So they see it look cool and they're like, I can afford to buy those tires. I can afford to buy those springs and those shocks and that lift or blah, blah, blah. But what they're not getting out of the video is if you do do this, uh, you need geometry brackets. You need all kinds of stuff because mm-hmm. the things. And your angle is going to change. There's, a bunch, there's all sorts of stuff that, that alters. So it can be done in a way that uh doesn't just destroy your vehicle but it's far more extensive to do it than what is relayed in these youtube videos that people do they just ah slapped on some some uh wheels and a and some springs and i know some of these guys and that ain't all you did no well and that's the thing is is, uh, yeah i mean in my last in my uh, rubicon jl I put so I have a I have a theory that I've come upon at this point that I don't like to put any more than two and a half inches of lift on something on a factory truck. So then that's what I did. I put a two and a half inch lift kit on there. I changed the the uh, I think I think that Rubicon the JL came with thirty fives and I changed them to thirty sevens, and and that was the max and 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 that was was minimal amount. Uh, It made it a little bit more aggressive, gives you a little bit more clearance. And, you know, it looks cool and everything, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, it didn't it didn't fundamentally change the dynamics of the vehicle. And I think that's something good. But I but I but, you know, having put a five inch lift kit before on a Land Rover Defender, I can I've been down this road. So I know. And and that truck was nothing but trouble. Like once you do that, everything else. I mean, everything ultimately you're just, you might as well just rebuild or build a whole new vehicle. I mean, really, 
And we kind of glossed over this. So I want to re-emphasize this. We both mentioned it, but I want to really emphasize this. Um, if you want 40s, get 40s. If you fine, do it. But if your intention is to cross borders and and mm-hmm. and 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 really and really actually be a nomad or an overlander, whatever you call it, 40s are not are a no-go. Well, 37, 37s are a no-go. Let's make the distinguish. Uh, let's distinguish these two things right now while we're talking about this. There's a big difference between overlanding, nomadically adventure traveling on wheels, let's call it, and four-wheeling mm-hmm. or wheeling or off-roading or whatever you want to call it. Because yep. if your goal is to do the Pan American Highway, as an example, you're going to try to do it in such a way that you do not damage things and you're going to go out of your way to try to be careful because the last thing obviously you want to break down in you know back country somewhere nowhere nicaragua as an example uh and you can't get parts and you can't get tires and you can't get this and you can't get that and blah 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 you can't get a toe you can whatever so there's a big difference between that and then or setting up my what I'm going to call my four by four rig with big tires and jacked up suspension and a bigger, you know, let's smack a, a supercharger on the engine or whatever we're going to do. That's got, I'm not, I'm not diminishing that at all. That, that has its use. It's just, we're talking about two different things here. Absolutely. I, I agree 110%. Um, but that's usually one of the first mistakes that I've seen in the little, uh, few experiences that I've had people spend thousands of dollars on upgrades that they end up switching out for something else when they really realize oh this is not practical for what I'm actually going to do yep and I and I you know Phil I get this a lot too with my truck because people ask me you know what's your tire situation so we're sitting there talking about tires my, my tires happen to be 48s on this truck uh, and it's a fairly, they're, they're huge and they're heavy. And I carry a spare, uh, one spare though, not, not, not multiple spares. And, uh, so what happens in the event that, you know, I, something goes wrong with me? Well, I, you know, that is a concern. So my truck is not, not a truck that I would consider to be the, the, the path of least resistance or the safest vehicle to travel to do say that like as an example, do you do the Pan American? Because I might have some unique parts and I might have a unique tire size. Now, having said that, because people do ask about the tires, the, the likelihood that I destroy my tire is, is, is a lot less than a, a, a normal tire on a normal SUV. Because, I mean, these things are are like, you know, they're they're like made out of steel almost. I mean, they're, they're, I forget what rating they are, but they're, you know, they're pretty rugged and being that big, the likelihood that they're going to take impact wounds and whatnot are, are, is less. So not to say that it can't happen for sure, but um, it's less uh, likely, but it is a concern and, but I'm cognizant of it. So that is a weakness. It's like, you know, I, I, I like to say every truck is like a turtle. If you flip it over, there's a there's a part of a turtle shell that you can that it can get attacked through right and Mm -hmm. and you know everything has a has a weak point 
You have been listening to Waypoint Overland's Random Waypoints. Like, subscribe, and stay tuned for more.